Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Starting with Scripture podcast. This is your host and Bible teacher, Ron. This episode is entitled, The Great Commission. And I'd like to start the lesson for this episode with a question. And the question is designed to provoke thinking. The question is as follows. What do basketball, baseball, football, hockey, and soccer all have in common? I'll give you a moment just to think. What they all have in common is that they are team sports. If you think about it, in a way, Christianity, that is to say the church, is a team sport just like all these other sports that I mentioned. I want to take a few minutes and read what is known as the Great Commission. If you want to read along, you can turn your Bibles to Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. That is Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. Or if it's better for you, just listen along. So read along or listen along, whichever is better for you for your own learning style. Matthew 28, 16-20 reads, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. This passage records Jesus commissioning the apostles. The Great Commission was given to the eleven disciples that became apostles. It wasn't directly given to us. I emphasize that it wasn't directly given to us because some preachers, Bible teachers, church leaders remove the Great Commission from its context and put too much burden on individual Christians. Some have taken their teaching to the extreme and taught that if an individual Christian doesn't baptize people, then he or she is sinning. This teaching doesn't make any sense when compared to Scripture, and indeed, it's not found in Scripture. Likewise, others go to the extreme of teaching that each and every Christian has to be discipling someone else or that particular Christian is in the wrong. This teaching is also wrong. It is error, it is heresy to teach such things. For someone to disciple someone else, that person needs to be teaching that person. That's what discipling means. 
you can look at the context and apply some common sense of the Great Commission and decide that it's an incorrect teaching, but there are other verses that show that that teaching is not correct either. For example, if you go to James chapter 3 verse 1, that's James chapter 3 verse 1, it will also show us this teaching is wrong. James 3.1 reads, My brethren, let not many of you be teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. The Bible itself teaches that not everyone should be a teacher. How then can every Christian be expected to be discipling somebody else to the point that if that Christian is not discipling somebody else, at least one other person, that Christian is not following Christ and not, um, not in line with God's will and actually sinning. Sadly, there's a local preacher, a preacher local to me, who uh, teaches and preaches at a congregation of hundreds, uh, nearly a thousand people, and he teaches this stuff, and it's just wrong. It's destructive. The truth of the matter is that fulfilling the Great Commission is a team sport. And the team is a church. We each have a part to play. We're all teammates. Those of us that are Christians, I mean. When preachers wrongly insist that everyone is supposed to be a teacher or a disciple others or be a missionary or preach the gospel, it puts an unnecessary burden on individual Christians, or at least on most individual Christians. Some just give up and do nothing because they have been wrongly given expectations that they cannot meet. The truth is that the Great Commission was given to the original eleven, but they passed it on to the church. It is our mission today, and we all have a part to play to fulfill the Great Commission. How can we fulfill the Great Commission today? I'm going to read a couple of passages from two of Paul's letters that teach us how to work together to fulfill the Great Commission. I'll first read from 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27. It reads, starting in verse 12, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. 
And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, and these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. I'll be back in a moment. Welcome back, everyone. Before I move on to the next reading from one of Paul's letters, I want to comment a bit on 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 27. I was reading from the New King James Version, and the word member in New King James English simply means body part. So the message here, uh, one of the main messages, is that we are all important parts of the body of Christ. You don't have to be a preacher, teacher, elder, or deacon to be important in the body of Christ. We are all important and we all have a role to play in the church. We all need each other and we all are needed. We can't all be eyes, ears, noses, hands, or feet. We're supposed to be different with different functions. The second passage I want to read comes from Romans 12. Specifically, it's Romans 12, verses 4 to 13. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, 
continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. This passage teaches many things. First thing I want to emphasize is it teaches us that whatever gifts and abilities we might have, we are to use them to build up the church. A few times in that passage it says, if you've got this, use it. If you've got that, use it. Part of the point here is that we are all supposed to work to build up the church in one way or another. We are called, gifted, and empowered to build the church in different ways. So here's a question for you. It's another question to provoke thought. What are you doing individually to fulfill the Great Commission? Remember when you're thinking about the answer to that, and do answer it for yourself, remember that you are not each individually required to be a preacher, teacher, elder, missionary. You're not even required to baptize people. You're not required to disciple anyone. It is our job collectively as a church to fulfill the Great Commission. Another question to, prov to provoke thought here. What can an individual Christian do to help, that is to help fulfill the Great Commission besides teaching, preaching, shepherding, leading songs, or something else public? You actually don't have to do anything big or public to help build the Kingdom of God. I encourage you to do things that you are good at and things that are on your heart to do. I do have some suggestions. The suggestions are examples and this is not meant to be a full and comprehensive list. One obvious thing people can do is attend as many services as you can. Your presence alone at our public gatherings on Sunday and Wednesday night and whenever else the church might meet might encourage somebody else and you won't even know it. Another thing you can do to build a build a kingdom perhaps is bring a treat to share in the fellowship hall during Bible class. You can bring food to share with others. If you know someone that is struggling financially, you can give them some money the next time you see them in the building. You can offer to give someone a ride to the building that needs it. How about outside the building and outside the scheduled service times? Think about that for a moment. See, in the church nowadays in the 21st century, we need to be careful not to be Sunday, Wednesday only Christians or at the building only Christians. What are some things we can do outside the church building? 
Well, you can invite somebody for coffee or lunch. You can have them over for supper. You can take a needy person or family some food or money. You can devote yourself to prayer for individuals or the congregation. And we really need people praying for us all the time. So that's a good thing to do. You can organize meal deliveries for sick people and others in need. You can do chores for people that need it. You can send greeting cards with encouraging notes. You can call someone to check on them or just say hello. Service in God's kingdom doesn't have to be complicated. Supporting our mission of fulfilling the Great Commission doesn't have to be complicated either. Little things can mean a lot. Things that aren't done in the public eye can do a great deal of good. I know that many of us already work to support the Great Commission. And as I've already said, some work goes on behind the scenes and we never know about it. For those of you out there that are working to support the Great Commission, I consider you and encourage you to do more if you can. If you can do more, please do so. If not, if you're doing all that you can do, great. And for those of you who haven't been working to support the Great Commission, I encourage you to start doing something. Pick something, try something. Like I said, it doesn't have to be a large thing. You don't have to fulfill a public role. Um, there are many things you can do to help build the church, help fulfill the Great Commission. Thank you for listening. God bless.